Welcome back to the 123 Show with me, Noreen Mayer, this Tuesday afternoon. And since it's Tuesday, I'd like to welcome back on the program the one and the only Andrew Dembina. Andrew, it's great to speak to you this week. How are you doing? I'm okay, Noreen. Good, thanks. How are you? Yes, I'm doing very good, thank you. I understand that uh, you'll be giving us uh, some sort of uh, international food and drink news with an extra US flavour. That is very true. I mean, uh, it's the, the US obviously in the uh, focus of most news reports and everything. But like Hong Kong, when we've been through today a year of protests, um, the restaurant and, uh, and bar industry has been, of course, very affected. Or it's come up in people's minds um, also about the, uh, the background of, uh, let's say, the black population who turn their hands to cooking or to bartendering or to become baristas, um, you know, num- numbers are a bit, uh, a bit fewer than, mm. uh, than Caucasian and, uh, and actually other and Hispanics as well in America. So there's, um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a few things here and there's a, there are a few excellent us publications that i regularly read um because being interested in food and drink for this report as well um and uh, uh, a couple of days ago there was a an author uh of a book called black culinary history her name is therese nelson and she is also a contributor of a, of a magazine in the us called taste which is uh, mostly about food a little bit about drinks as well and she says that uh, it's cookbooks, not restaurants, that gives the U.S. black, uh, sorry, gives the U.S. black culinary culture its identity. She reckons and wants to recommend, and it'll be interesting maybe for the listener to hear about them, some, some cookbooks that focus on the evolution of black culinary culture in the U.S. She found that this, at this moment, that it was a good time. So a few days ago, Taste magazine, um, uh, came out with her column, which um, says it's on the premise that uh, black chefs have a have a have a heritage that really does span from when they first arrived in the U.S., which was as African slaves, to where they've where they've become today. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were. Yeah, it, it, we, we've we've heard about one or two types of black food, maybe soul food. Have you heard of that? Yes. I mean, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Go on. Yes, I have. I, I have heard. I don't think I've tried it though. Where can can you get it in Hong Kong? Well, the only place that uh, that, that 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 comes near it um, is uh, um, doing southern U.S. food because black <laughs> soul food is is very much like southern uh, American food. And um, there's a place called Bubba Gump. Uh, just just a passing mention there. But it's uh, but they do they do certain dishes. They're on the peak. Yes. And it's a, it's a, it's a chain. Tried, yes, I have tried yeah. that. They do the, yes, yes, it's very southern. You're right. They've got the, the chicken and the, the shrimps and the, yes, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and gumbo. And gumbo. gumbo which is yes. another, yeah, yeah. Um, the, um, they, they also, actually, just, just, just turning on to the issue of, uh, you know, what is soul food, there, there are a couple of, um, I mean, crossovers again with southern U.S. food. It's funny, as, a, as someone from the UK, when I first heard the term biscuits, have you heard of, do you know what biscuits are? Biscuits and gravy, which is a very popular soul food uh, plate, um, and, and it's also popular in uh, southern US. Biscuits in the US sense are not like uh, British biscuits, which, which US people would call cookies. Uh, 
Well, yeah, I that's my interpretation. No, that's my interpretation yeah. of what a biscuit right. is. What's a biscuit? Well, the fir- yeah, the first the first time I I tried one was uh, was in a southern restaurant that no longer exists in Hong Kong, and I was told that I must try the biscuits and gravy. To be honest. Being from the UK, hearing about biscuits <laughs> such as you know custard creams and some bisto or something like that didn't didn't really didn't really seem to. Uh, for, for those who aren't from the UK, bisto are gravy granules that you that you mix up. And I was thinking of biscuits when I was told that this is something I must try as being cookies, which uh, which they're certainly not. They're like a scone or scone, two ways of pronouncing that thing, but um, but that instead of having sugar in them. They're savoury, so they have a little of salt. Uh, British uh, sweet scones also have a little pinch of salt in them, but but, but these have no sugar in them. Um, so a savoury scone is exactly the same kind of crumbly, um, crumbly texture, and it's um, it, it, they are sometimes had uh, with with jam or butter in the US, in the southern US especially. Um, but this but, but when they're had with gravy, that is with um, liquid. That is that has a recipe itself that's made with butter, uh, flour, a little bit of cream, uh, some meat stock if there's some around. If there's some gravy or dripping, which is where it gets its name from, often it would be from pre-cooked uh, meat from a different meal. Let's say a, a pork or yeah. pork chop, or, or or even or even yeah, any any meat that you can get some uh, fat dripping off it uh, would be saved. To put into a gravy, so it's and then kind of it like be... a roux. It's a, it's like a white sauce. I'm I'm googling it. Biscuit and gravy yeah. in in the soul the... food sense. It's kind of like yes. this creamy roux sauce. Typically, typically yes, um, and it would use this. It would use tends to use, if possible, the fat from meat or sausages uh, rather than butter. Oh. Uh, but 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 still mixing in a bit of flour. So it looks like the roux a bit. And then if there's a few leftover. Bits of uh, bits of meat. They would be minced or cho- chopped up, um, and maybe you know there'd sometimes be little bits of beef or different meat or poultry or bacon chopped into it. And all that lot in a saucepan was made into this kind of gravy, which you're right, often is a is a lighter colour. Even milk is thrown in a bit sometimes. It doesn't look like gravy in the sense of a Sunday roast gravy or a no, gravy or a, you know, pudding. Yeah, no. No, 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 not one of those <laughs> or not or not in some fancy restaurant which tend to call gravy jus, like the French <laughs> J-U-S, you know, with a with French accent to make it sound really special like a, a, redu- a reduction, a reduced often this very thick um, sauce made from uh, bones and, and, and meat and reduced and wine and, and uh, comes out as this is it's not like that at all, it's a, it's a saucepan Full of, as I just said, offcuts, dripping, uh, milk, and uh, a bit of water, a bit of, uh, uh, and a bit of flour, and then soaking um, some uh, scones, which are called biscuits in the in the south. So the biscuits are cut in half with the soft side up, crushed down on the plate, and then the uh, the gravy of this particular kind poured over it, and that is an economical meal, and what a lot of people eat for a meal sometimes more than once a day um, in, um, you know, in, in conditions where they couldn't afford much, much more. Today, it's often enjoyed as some things which come from humble origins are, um, as something that's quite tasty. Some people enjoy it, and it's not even just to be counting the budget on how much is being spent on food. Mm. You know, there are, like, beans on toast, I sometimes haven't had it once this in the last 12 months, probably, but very occasionally, I'll have that as a sort of comfort food maybe on a slightly chilly evening 
beans on toast if I'm on my own, not with my family around, watching a bit of telly. And it's, it's, it's one of those things which, um, which is born out of, uh, uh, probably out of uh, economic reasons of being something that's quite cheap, to, uh, cheap and easy to put together, but can bring a bit of comfort. So that's that's one thing that well I deviated from the word biscuits there a little bit didn't I, <laughs> No, it's a very good description. I like the way you described it as like a savory scone. That's that makes complete yeah. sense. Yes, it looks yeah. like it too. Yeah. Yes. And and so and so unless any you know when things uh, hopefully we've said this so many times before. Uh, pick up and get back to normal uh, in Hong Kong. It would be nice if there were more uh, southern U.S. restaurants around and with with a soul food selection on the menu, yeah, because uh, there is only the one up on the peak. So it's um, there have been, they've come and gone previously. I'm sure that there's, uh, there'd be interest in it because Hong Kong folk in normal times are very curious about what's to... Uh, what to eat. I gotta say, um, you know, from different places. I gotta say, I have a really dear friend, Kenneth. Shout out to him. He's moved to Edinburgh now. Um, mm-hmm. uh, he's he's Chinese and he grew up in the states, uh, southern parts yeah. of, of the United States. And he mm. makes the best fried chicken. Honestly, homemade fried chicken ah, with yeah. beer batter. Honestly, it's yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. so yeah. that that's kind of a well, bit of soul food, home cooked soul yes. food. <laughs> well, it, it it is fried fried chicken is probably. Fried chicken and that biscuits and gravy dish are probably the two signature dishes of soul food and Southern uh, American uh, food. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting that you tried it from someone who who uh, had that nice sounding beer batter recipe. But they also do um, use fish a lot, and it's usually river fish, catfish especially, mm. is uh, from the because there are a lot of uh, rivers or uh, lakes where catfish can be plentiful and caught, and those are put in. In batter as well. But sort the chicken of like is the, the one. fish and chips, sort of. Yeah, yeah, they very, very much like it. And uh, it's funny when you said beer batter, I thought that uh, in recent years, as I think we may have, you worked in a gastro pub, I remember. But um, but in recent years in the UK, when I when I grew up, um, uh, certainly by the time I came to Hong Kong in my mid twenties, I hadn't heard of beer batter being used in the UK. But now, you know. As, as pubs have gentrified more over there, um, and even in, in, in restaurants in Hong Kong that serve fish and chips, often beer batter is mentioned as being, because you do get an extra frost from the uh, the way that the beer reacts with uh, the flour, I believe. Exactly. So, extra, yeah. yeah, extra puffed yeah. up batter. Right. right. Now, Noreen, not only did we go off uh, on, on an interesting, <laughs> uh, I hope, course um, from the word biscuits, but uh, but 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 uh, but also I, I just kind of steered off um, the uh, the cookbooks which were uh, which were mentioned by uh, Therese Nelson, um, the author of Black mm-hmm. Culinary History. So she really knows her stuff. I mean, she's a black um, uh, two or three generation heritage herself, and um, she's studied and written and reported for various magazines on uh, on soul food and black food generally. Um, so she has a few books to recommend. Um, her, I'll mention the first one, which is called A Taste of Country Cooking, and it's by Edna Lewis, uh, published in 1976. So it's been around a while, but it's seen as a, a real kind of go-to book on, uh, on soul food and how it became uh, integrated into 
into black culture, but also how it was enjoyed by uh, by those in the south of the U.S. She she weaves into this book um, her own personal story of living in uh, southern U.S. That's the author, Edna Lewis. And, um, and so there are in some interesting anecdotes about what it was like uh, to be black in the U.S. from a social point of view, as well as uh, some recipes. So you've got reminiscences um, of, of her time, you know, in a, in a time where perhaps there was more prejudice about being mm. black in America, in parallel with um, some standout uh, southern cooking and soul food recipes, which are often heralded by people as being some of the best explained, you know, of their time. Um, but, but, but getting up to more up to date, uh, recent publications, another one that's mentioned um, as being a, a very worthwhile book to have a look into for anyone interested in uh, in the uh, in black culinary um, evolution in America is by uh, Todd Richards, and it's uh, it's a new book that's come out in the last twelve months called Soul, which we were just you know you can guess where that comes from from what we were just saying. <laughs> Soul food. Um, so, exactly. Um, it, the, the writer here is uh, using his own identity um, uh, a little bit in a very, a much smaller amount of narrative than the last book I mentioned. He's had decades, Todd Richards, of uh, professional cooking. And, um, he, um, he actually went traveling to Africa from America to try and bring in some elements of African cuisine, which were not really part of the black American kind of restaurant or home cooking repertoire he wanted to try and go a bit deeper into his own heritage and it's a big it's a long book it's over 500 pages um but he really is seen as a culinary authority that's todd richards um he exploring how different global influences he, he goes off on tangents because he has traveled to more than just africa he, he he's gone he's gone around the world and he's actually seen how some black sets are bringing in elements of uh, European cuisine or even Asian cuisine into their recipes. And there's a, there's a whopping 150 recipes in this book of 500 plus pages, as well as a, a kind of a um, ingredient-focused uh, glossary or encyclopedia at the end, which is quite useful. Um, I'll just quickly go on to uh, a, a, another one that, uh, that, that Therese Nelson, which is where these books, these book recommendations are coming from. I, I've gone to look online at these books, and they do. I've not, I've not, I'm not going to mention them all here, but the ones I am mentioning do look like real standouts. Um, I think the uh, the last one I'll mention from her selection is uh, called Between Harlem and Heaven, and it's by uh, joint authors Alexander Smalls, sounds like a rapper, and uh, and Joseph J.J. Johnson, also sounding a bit a bit hip-hop. Um, <laughs> a, uh, a, a book that, uh, but actually they're not, they're two, they're two kind of celebrity black chefs in America. And this book uh, remembers the, uh, the kind of culinary or restaurant magic that these two chefs were said to create in the now-closed restaurant called Cecil in harlem um it was it was around for five years and it was a bit of a legendary uh um bl black owned black american owned uh restaurant um getting really rave reviews in some of the top you know glossy and newspaper publications online publications uh, it opened in 2012 and it it talks about how they went 
are also travelling to uh, to Africa to to find elements of heritage to bring back with it. And this is what is interesting. I think um, some of the top chefs and restaurants in Hong Kong um, have got stories to tell in their menu. They've um, when I think of uh, restaurants, one of the first to do this was um, like Amber Restaurants in the landmark Mandarin Oriental. And chef Richard Ecubus gets almost all of his ingredients, I mean, 80% or something like that, from one island, Kyushu, in uh, Japan. And the reason is that it's uh, it's just got really excellent meat, vegetables, seafood, and it's near Hong Kong. So double win you can get things fresher without such a carbon footprint and so he you know it, it's interesting when chefs so these guys they um for Cecil restaurants which uh which shut down uh, after nearly five years in operation unfortunately um was looking at ingredients that weren't commonly found in uh, in black american owned restaurants in america they won the uh um, the the restaurants of the year in American Esquire magazine in 2014. So that's that that's another interesting book to look at if you can. You can find it online uh, between Harlem and Heaven by those two co-authors. Um, so uh, really, it's the the crux of what the author in Taste magazine, sorry, the columnist Therese Nelson was saying is that uh is that it's not so much what you find in your neighborhood restaurants that may be selling soul food and being less adventurous but take a look at the evolution over decades and decades in america of what has also come from soul food by those who have been uh curious to push it outside of the soul food box so that's that's really where where that's at and um, let's really, see if uh, I, I was going to say go I'm on. really glad you chose this topic. It's so relevant now with everything that's going on in America, and I don't think we've ever done sort of soul food or, or black food, African American food, African food no. on uh, the Tuesday uh, segment at all. So uh, yeah, it's incredible. Thank you, Andrew, for for educating and enlightening uh, myself and some of yeah. our listeners. Yeah, great topic. Sure. Okay. And now well, I've got this um, craving for fried chicken. Yeah, in beer batter. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't mind some of that catfish as well, actually, to be honest. Um, uh, I, I'll, I'll, even, I'll even give uh, you know give a second attempt to uh, the uh, biscuits, biscuits and gravy, and gravy which, yes. which, which 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 wasn't brilliant when the the one time I I had it in a, in a Hong Kong restaurant. So um, well, I do I do have a couple more. Uh, more topics. Um, I know we're coming up to, uh, yes. to the 2.30 news. Absolutely, you're right. Um, spoken like a true presenter. So how about we continue uh, with our chatter after the 2.30 news? Uh, you've got a couple more uh, news story. Meanwhile, uh, our listeners can keep looking at uh, soul food. I've been looking at uh, some of them, and, and it's ones that I didn't even think about. Did you know black eyed peas is actually a yeah. dish? I had no idea. Indeed. I thought it was Indeed. just a was- band. Yeah, I was going to mention that with the uh, yeah with the band joke as well. We're on the same wavelength. Then, Gosh, <laughs> yeah. forgive me. Um, my 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 knowledge in this area is very limited. So I'm really glad uh, you picked this uh, topic. It's true. Yeah. Oh, but, cool. 
Yes, and, and a lot uh, to share as well. Cornbread um, is also one. But yes, let's continue uh, with this chat after the 2.30 news uh, with Andrew Dambina. Uh, quick, many thanks uh, to you, Anne-Marie. So let's continue uh, with our Tuesday chat with Andrew Dambina. Uh, before the news, Andrew, we were talking a little bit more about soul food, uh, traditionally yeah. uh, by uh, the black community uh, in America, but really originated from Africa. Uh, and and uh, really, um, so um, like I said, I'm really pleased you chose this topic because we've never really uh, talked about it uh, during the, uh, the the one two three show Tuesday report. So yeah, thank you. Oh, exactly. Thanks. And just before we go on to another topic, um, also just to mention, you know, some of the staples of soul food are very African in origin. Sweet potatoes, uh, as well as the black eyed peas that you mentioned, are very popular. Um, and so, and, and and a lot of rice is eaten yes, as well. Uh, that's right. Beans as it is in, and rice. Yeah. 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 Mixed together often. Yeah. So, so hungry now. So hungry. There's yeah, this, some of it does sound good. There's one called Hush Puppies um, also. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so yeah. cool. Anyway. There's, a, there's, there's, there's a lot, actually, yeah. But, um, but moving on to um, slightly uh, less, always, not always as nutritious food, um, uh, I'll just mention that uh, McDonald's um, it has a lockdown menu in, uh, in place at the moment across the U.S., uh, and it's, uh, it says it said over the last week that it's seriously considering continuing the same menu that it's had and still has right now under lockdown beyond uh, it may continue it beyond COVID-19 when things get back to normal. Um, is, is it a so, healthier option uh, because people are sort well, of going out less and uh, exercising less? So is it less calorific or, or McDonald's being healthier? I don't know. But yeah, is it a healthier uh, option? Uh, it's that that much is unclear. Although I will I will refer to that in a bit, but uh, but but it hasn't been not not the specifics. Uh, the specifics haven't quite told us that yet. But um, with, with you know what it, this originates from basically with so much going on in terms of restrictions, as we know very well in Hong Kong for a long time, uh, and it's happening around the world during the coronavirus pandemic. Every type of uh, food and drink establishment really has to question the way they're doing business. Uh, so the um, in a US uh, food publication uh, recently called, uh, the publication is called Eat to This, Not That. Last week it reported that during lockdown in the States, since there were these stay-at-home mandates, you know, from the government, McDonald's has offered a limited menu in order to keep service running and people fed. A lot of people are going there, uh, but they're going to get takeaways. So, as the uh, as the country slowly opens back up for business, uh, McDonald's is uh, is thinking of offering a limited menu, and it publicly noticed that it may sort of just look at this as a, as a new permanent thing to do, but doesn't, doesn't come up with the details that, that you were asking about before. There are fewer menu items at the, mo- at the moment, and its teams, it says, have been serving food at a much faster pace uh, during the pandemic than ever than they ever did before. It's, so I think I sort of I, I looked at the the lockdown menu and here's what's on mm. offer. This is according to GazetteNews.co.uk. Yeah, <laughs> this is what's on the lockdown menu in the UK: Big Mac, quarter pounder with cheese, muck chicken sandwich, muck flurry, <sighs> mozzarella dippers, oh. fries. So I don't think yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a healthy option yeah. oh, at all. Oh no. So, 
No, during the during the pandemic itself, it hasn't been. Uh, the question is whether they will bring uh, salads and uh, grilled chicken sandwiches and those kind of dishes, which are uh, the grilled chicken being without batter. They, they, some of these things that they do oh, in uh, the uh, Mac so, Cafe so, usually. Well, yeah, right. In Hong Kong, it's called Mac Cafe. I don't know if it is everywhere, but um, but yes, exactly. The way they're going for some of the healthier dishes. So when it comes back. Will they literally stick with the pared down, as you say, very high fat, uh, typical burger and chips it's uh, scenario? It's got to be a oxymoron, though. McDonald's and healthier. It's <laughs> I don't know. If oh we yeah, can use well, it in healthier. <laughs> yeah, the block letters on the last few, yes. you know, on the last few letters of the word. <laughs> it's um the um uh, so we'll, we'll we'll have to see uh, what's that. Uh, what that means um certainly interestingly in hong kong and maybe asia uh, where we haven't had the same kind of uh um of lockdown where people have been able to go to restaurants uh, most of the time yes, you're um, right. if they choose to um it, it, it might not this this mentality might not be rolled out across the world by the by the parent company so um so what happens in places that were locked down basically north america europe and uh, wherever else that's been the case i suppose they have to wait and see that's true um, and i know we may laugh about it but you know in some cla- in, in some cases that these you know some people weren't even able to get staples to get bread or pasta or rice from supermarkets yeah. so what other yeah. options are available sometimes you have to oh yeah been lucky absolutely Absolutely. And in the case of America, part of the success and getting things out was not only the smaller menu, but also in America, they have drive through McDonald's. Ah, They have it in the UK as well. But in America, they the home of the the idea. They have loads of them. So really easy for people to just buzz out and get, you know, get something through a window with a mask on and then then back home. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, last topic of, uh, that I've got for you today, Noreen, and uh, it's uh, on the US yet again. Um, it, it's something to do with um, even more specific than the first one um, chosen for, you know, uh, at a time that, uh, where the black community in America is impacted. The last topic is about um, how so many people across the US food industry have got on board with supporting the U.S. protests, even when their own businesses have suffered or incurred vandalism. So uh, there was a very interesting article from another U.S. uh, food magazine called Eater magazine a few days ago that reported that these things I just mentioned showed a considerable empathy from restaurants and bars right across the country. Um, there, there have been some cases, I could just give you a smattering of cases that, as examples. A bartender uh, raised money to hand out drinks and snacks at protests. A restaurant owner stated loud and clear that he understands why his business was vandalized and that property damage means nothing compared to the loss of life uh, and oh, for the fight for justice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Lots of restaurateurs donated profits to uh, to social justice causes uh, um, that, that are that are getting behind protests at the moment. Um, obviously, there are disparities and inequalities for uh, um, for for you know for different for for black people in different parts of America. But people 
in some states have really got behind it. And I'll just mention a couple of, uh, for instances, I, I, this is the only, the only picture that I sent you today <laughs> because, because it was, it basically, it's in Houston, Texas. Um, and it shows, um, there's a picture from her Instagram account of, uh, of a, uh, a wait, a, a waitress or bartender called, um, Bevin Biggers. Um, who arranged with her fellow bartenders in a restaurant in Houston called Taste Bar and Kitchen to hand out more than 10,000 bottles of water and snack packs to marchers in Houston. They rented a truck, which is in that picture. It shows that the picture I've sent Noreen has got um, uh, Bevin Biggers and one of her restaurant colleagues standing at the back end of a lorry that is jam-packed with uh, bottles of water and snacks um for 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 protesters in houston that's um, really heartwarming isn't it yeah like, yeah at, it at is the expense of their own business but they're still supporting a cause that they truly believe uh, exactly to be worthy yeah there's a and there is and there is stronger sentiment in houston because that is where um the now deceased george floyd's family lives, lives. and he spent yeah yeah he spent most of his life there. he wasn't born there but him he and his family spent a long time you know decades living there so um that's 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 one example i, I, I want to mention a, 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 a something about looting it's been rampant as we've heard lots of looting going on across different parts of the country in america um but it's um it, it's been particularly sad uh for the small mom and pop, pop shops you know the kind of uh the, the little grocery stores which are sometimes uh, even even owned by Black Americans or different um, kind of ethnic, ethnic uh, ethnicity, uh, yeah, ethnic groups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not, you know, I mean, originally when looting began, according to reports, it was the big chain stores, you know, department stores and supermarkets, the big ones. But then it went sort of wider and took in lots of smaller shops as well. I just want to mention there's um, just one across the various reports that I came across. One owner of a Boston wine shop called the Urban Grain on their Facebook page after their store was broken into on Sunday night, just a couple of nights ago, um, following a mostly peaceful protest during the day. Um, its windows were smashed. Its cash register was, was busted open with a sledgehammer, uh, but there was no money inside. And they captured it all on uh, their own sort of security cameras in the shop. It's, it's, a, it's a husband and wife team. Um, you know, they, they're husband and wife running a wine shop in Boston. And um, so uh, the, the the husband of this couple, who is black, um, uh, said that vandalization of this community-centered, uh, of community-centered businesses like ours feels like a slap in the face, especially after seeing insecurity camera footage that some of the looters picking through the wine were young black men. Remember, this is a black man talking. Mm. Um the, uh, the looting to me has nothing to do with the message of protesting, but ultimately it's just a window, not a life. So um, it's a small price to pay uh, for the US to have a larger reckoning about centuries of oppression. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's coming from someone who has had his place smashed up, till smashed, but there was no money in it. And then a scene that, uh, you know, people, the people doing it on CCTV, but, but that's his sentiment. And it's one that's echoed by many other independent business owners who view their properties as collateral damage with, uh, within what many see 
as a current broader fight for racial justice. You know, many business owners are, are waiving the damage. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, quite, it's just quite remarkable in, in various, uh, it's happened in restaurants as well as uh, food and drink shops. Absolutely. So yeah. And looting yeah. has been a big sort of discussion. Um, also, I've seen various mm. um, people are quite creative in, in how they express uh, that their thoughts and feelings about looting. There's there's looting of, of shops and, and goods. Um, and then the meme that I've seen is sort of politicians uh, looting of the rights of people um, oh, at right. times of crisis. So oh. I think people have been very creative. <laughs> yes, yeah. different types of looting. Yeah. Um, Andrew, thank you ever so much for, for, for this week's sharing. It really is a, a very timely topic and I'm really glad uh, you, you chose uh, to highlight and, and to spotlight uh, the black lives and black communities and also the black way of uh, life and, and food in particular. Um, it's always a wonderful way to understanding culture. So yeah, thank you yeah. very much for, for choosing this timely topic. Sure. Thanks, Noreen. Okay, it's been a pleasure talking as always. Yes, pleasure. And um, hold the line, and I want to see if you can uh, hear my goodbye to you. Have a good summer. Okay. Oh, maybe you can't hear it. Did you hear that? No? Have a good summer, I was going to say. Anyway, inside joke. Andrew <laughs> Demi, <laughs> have a great summer. I'll chat to you next week. Thank you very much. Come Bye, back to what you know.